Hello and hey there. Welcome to the Top 5 Podcast, a show where we rank and discuss any list you can imagine. Best microwave ovens, top computers, best underwear brands, nothing is off limits. Everyone is wrong, even when we think they are right. I'm your host today, Eric Shane, and with me as always is... Zachary Rancourt. Zachary Rancourt. How you doing, bud? Uh, I am recovering from being very sick yesterday, and it was probably because of alcohol, but uh, it was most likely because of food. So, And that is not to say I'm an alcoholic or anything or I binge drink, but I did go to a concert on Saturday and food and drink were free, but something did not agree with me, and I have never felt that gross that I, um, as, as I was yesterday, and uh, I literally couldn't hold anything down, so I ate nothing all day, and I barely drank anything. It was sounds, very weird. Yeah, that sounds like food poisoning. Have you never been food poisoned before? I've had it once, and uh, I think it was pretty similar to yeah. to how I felt yesterday. That so, sucks, man. I'm glad you're feeling yeah. better. I'm glad you're tipped up because that that's, that's that's a brutal. It, you feel like you're dying, man. I it was it was rough and I'm still kind of feeling residual effects. I slept a lot yesterday, too. I, I slept a ton. I got 10 hours of sleep over sleep overnight. And then when I woke up, I had three extra hours of sleep. I just I was I slept a lot yesterday. You know who famously loves to sleep like a lot, a lot, a lot? Who? Uh, Thomas Lockhart. <laughs> yeah, Thomas Lockhart. How you doing, Sleepy Bear? I'm doing great. Uh, yeah, actually, in my teens, I slept a lot and I was made fun of. It wasn't really me sleeping a lot. I just slept during hours that you should not be sleeping. Yeah. Like just, you know, noon to eight o'clock at night. Just weird stuff like that. <laughs> there was this one time where I slept for 24 hours straight. I don't know if I've told the story here, uh, but I fell asleep after dinner. And then I woke up to my dad saying it's dinner time. And I got real confused. <laughs> Because wow. I slept straight to the next dinner. <laughs> wow. The shocking that, thing is no one checked on me or anything. They weren't like, oh, what's up? It was just like woke up for dinner and here we go. Oh, wow. No one's concerned. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, hey, I'm, that's 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 a day well spent, buddy. Damn straight. Uh, you know, from the dawn of time, nearly every man has at his most visceral level needed sleep. But beyond that... Way deep down, he has secretly desired for one thing, to be standing triumphantly atop a heaping pile of slain enemy corpses, to be seen and held in awe as a badass. History is full of these men. We grew up on these stories, but there are many, many badass women who have flown under the radar due to patriarchal sexist nonsense, frankly. Well, not today, friends. In honor of International Women's Day, which is the 8th, and Women's History Month today, we discuss our top five badass women. It could be war stuff, politics stuff, just cultural stuff, any old thing. Badass women. And to enhance the discussion, we didn't share a list with each other. And by no means, oh my goodness, by no means are we experts or historians in said category. We're just a few dudes who like to talk about nonsense. So, Tom, Will you start us off, please, with your your first badass woman you'd like to talk about? My first badass woman is Susan Kuhnhausen. Okay. Uh, Okay. You've probably never heard of her. Mm -hmm. She is a registered nurse. And one day, she got off work, and she went and got her hair done at the salon. Uh Uh-huh. And then she went home. She came in. She disabled the alarm, which was on. And she had a little note from her husband that said, oh, I haven't been able to sleep lately. I'm going to the beach. I'll see you on Friday or Saturday. She goes into her bedroom and the curtains are closed. And she distinctly 
remembers, she opens the curtains every morning to get light in there. They shouldn't be closed. That's when a man with a claw hammer comes out of the corner and hits her with it. Ooh. Which is not a good thing. No. (laughs) So she fights off this man. At some point, she gets the claw hammer away from him, and she strikes him a couple times in the head after she's already been hit in the head a couple times with it. Uh, They're struggling. He gets the claw hammer back, and she gets a choke hold on him and chokes him and says, who sent you? Why are you here? The guy won't answer. So she, he, she finally gets him out with the chokehold. She gets up to go. He wakes up again, grabs her leg, and pulls her to the ground. And he punches her a couple times in the face. She wrestles with him for a little bit longer. She like ends up tripping him and getting him on the ground. And she gets him into a second chokehold and says, Who sent you here? If you stop, I will call you an ambulance. Because she knows that she's got the upper hand on him. And he will not give up. And she strangles this man to death. Holy shit. It turns out her husband, who was away at the beach, had hired this man to kill her. Because they were kind of estranged where he would watch her cats, but they weren't together anymore. So he knew the codes to the alarm system and everything. But this man, he had the jump on her. And she still took him out and strangled him to death. And that is like one of the most badass stories I've ever heard of just fighting for your life. (laughs) And this guy apparently had a almost lethal amount of cocaine in his system. So he was also hopped up. Wow. And it's just a great story of just a normal woman, just a normal registered nurse coming home after a day. She got her hair all nice and had to murder a man. I mean... That is a horrible situation for anybody to be in. I would not wish that on anybody and ever for any reason. That's just awful. That's wow. I'm glad. She, wow. What a Jesus. What a badass. Holy hell, man. I, uh, I wasn't prepared for that. Such a heavy story right up front. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm, that, yeah. That story what, is thanks to me listening to a lot of YouTube at work because I yeah. sit at a desk all day. So I just come up with videos about these things all the time where it's just like, that's a crazy story. I'm glad I went down this YouTube rabbit hole. <laughs> wow, Susan Kuhnhausen. I'm going to look her up. Wow, what a badass. <laughs> Holy yeah. shit. She was ready, man. She shouldn't have had to be. You shouldn't have to be ready for combat, life and death combat at the drop of a hat in your own home. But hey, she she was ready. Good for her. She's like the John Wick of, of people. All right. Well, I'm going to go uh, with my first one. I'm going to go with a badass in a different direction. Um, and I'm going to start off with Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman, this five foot two, 90 pound soaking wet woman uh, might be one of the great American badasses of all time. Uh, she escaped. It, you probably know her story. If you haven't seen the movie Harriet that came out a couple of years ago, you really ought to. But it, it really goes down the list of you know her accomplishments. She escaped slavery all on her lonesome over 100 miles of wilderness. Uh, and that's hardcore enough for anyone. That could be the end of the story right there. And she would already be a badass. But this psychotically brave, hard ass woman under the certainty, not a threat, the certainty of violence and even death if she was caught went back 13 more times to get more people out. She rescued approximately 70 people using the Underground Railroad. She never lost a single person on their way to the free states. That alone would be like a life, like an all-time Hall of Fame, first ballot Hall of Famer right there. 
uh, of bad attitude. But then the Fugitive Slave Act came in uh, to being in 1850, which basically meant that those 70 people that she uh, rescued, herself included, they were now there's now a market basically established by the federal government putting a bounty on their head. There's a whole market for them now. They are seen just because they're in the free states doesn't mean they're safe anymore. So she turns around and she gets these folks and helps helps them book it all the way up to Canada. So not only should she rescue them once, she had to turn around and rescue them again while herself facing mortal peril every single day. Later in 1858, she worked with John Brown, helped design his raid on Harper's Ferry. Uh, and when the Civil War broke out, you could not possibly expect anything more from her. She had done more than enough, right? Nah, Chief. She's not going to sit on the sidelines like a punk. She went to work for the Union right away. She was a cook and nurse at first, helping out any way she could and getting absolutely no respect for it. Um, by the time the Army made its way into Dixie, she began to serve as a scout and a spy for the Union. She actually got to the point where she even led a combat raid that freed 750 people. She's the first woman in American history to lead a military assault. Despite that, this badass American hero never received regular salary for her years of service to this country and her sacrifice. Uh, And after the war, she settled down in New York for a while, but she couldn't stay chill forever. This woman had no chill. When the women's suffrage movement was uh, uh, rose up, she, this little little old lady, she was right at the forefront of it, right out there with Emily Howland and Susan B. Anthony, and she didn't live long enough to see the Nineteenth Amendment. But by the time she was gone, it was it was pretty much uh, uh, pretty much on its way. It was almost a certainty at that point. So um, she is a badass American hero. She's going to replace Andrew Jackson on the twenty dollar bill, and uh, it's about damn time. She's hardcore badass woman. Hell yeah. Harriet Tubman, man. You guys uh, seen that movie yeah. in 2019? No, I, I, I did not, but yeah. I really like Cynthia Erivo and she was uh, wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. I heard she did a really good job. So yeah, Mandy, Mandy really wanted to watch it. I was like, yeah, you know, I know the story already. So I was like, okay, I'll get around to it. It was on my list and she kind of just insisted. And, uh, I'm, I'm glad we, we did, uh, especially for women's history month. Now's the time. Hey, now's a good time. You know, if you haven't seen it, now's a good time. Absolutely. You have a good excuse. Absolutely. So that's my number one. Harry Tubman. Zach, what about you, sir? That's a great choice. Thanks, buddy. Uh, so my number one, I'm going to the realm of the sciences, and I'm talking uh, Marie Curie. Oh, yeah. Uh, she was born in uh, 1867. She died in 1934, and she was the first woman to win the Nobel Prize. She actually won two. She was the first person to win two. She won one in physics and one in science. Uh, she was born in Poland, but she lived in Paris with her husband, Pierre Curie where they both studied physics and science and were professors at a university there. But uh, if you haven't heard of her, I guarantee you have heard of what she discovered. But she discovered an isolated radium um, and basically led studies for radioactivity and um, radiation, I should just say, but was very, very instrumental in eventually helping cure cancer, helping battle cancer. Uh, The theory of radioactivity basically discovered that atoms could be split with radiation. They could also burn off tumors and cancerous cancerous growths. So Hurd and Pierre, they helped develop the idea that radiation could benefit instead of just be negative. (laughs) And so it was absolutely incredible, absolutely remarkable. But she grew up from pretty much nothing with no real formal education to be able to go on in a time when 
people were like, women can't be scientists. Women can't do all this kind of stuff. And she's like, watch me and was so goddamn influential. She was actually buried in the Pantheon for her achievements back in 95. They they uh, moved her grave to the Pantheon, which is like no one gets buried in the Pantheon. So that's pretty remarkable. But Marie Curie. Yeah, um, I'm excited when I go to Paris because I believe there are museums and spots that she was famous for that have her uh, stamp on them. And so I would like to see those places, but yeah, she's a, she's a badass. Absolutely. Man, what a good choice. I was thinking about her as well. I was thinking about choosing uh, one of the women in the sciences. Cause there's quite a few uh, who, who over the years now they've been trying to, you know, really get their names out there, but for too long, their contributions were just, poo-pooed and ignored or outright stolen and given to <laughs> given credit over to the men um if i had a wager i mean and this is me just shooting shooting shit in the dark i would say women are smarter than men <laughs> so oh. uh it's kind of crazy that you know we decided to be like she's a witch if they had any thought of their own uh because we are pretty stupid men i'm not gonna lie men are pretty stupid so we, we sure can be i'll, I'll say yeah. that little boys spend their entire life going to adulthood trying to get themselves killed so and women are just like look at these dumbasses (laughs) i'm just gonna bide my time until they're all gone (laughs) uh, there's a rick and morty episode in season one where they go to gazorpasorp or whatever i don't i don't know if you've seen that one but it's run by a matriarchy and uh the the males of the species are just ultra ultra big and violent and dumb and uh the women are smart and empathetic and all that um well, they're running the society and it's like with well, the babies are birthed in a, in a uh, birthing chamber and the, the girls are sorted into this, you know, oh, this structure over here where they can pursue a life of meaning and, and uh, creativity, the males and then baby gets loaded into a slingshot. They get to play outside. Fling, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know why I was thinking of that just now, but it's, it's funny. I just saw that episode again the other day. So, Do okay. I Rick and Morty. Yeah, buddy. That's that, that number one. All right, Tom, what about your number two? My next one is Virginia Hall. So right. here's a quote from what the Germans said about Virginia Hall. She is the most dangerous of allied spies. We must find and destroy her, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is fun. So Virginia was an American who was a spy for Britain before America joined the war, World War II. Um, and despite being a woman, which was generally considered not spy material, quote unquote, in the time, and also having a prosthetic leg, which if you guys didn't know, is kind of identifiable when you're like, oh, the woman without a leg, she's the one who took the intel. She was still (laughs) great at getting that intel that would help turn the tide in the war. Um, let's see, uh, when America finally joined the war she had to escape by herself on foot going over the pyrenees mountains uh remember again one leg and a prosthetic from world war ii times which probably wasn't the greatest of all prosthetics um when she finally got out and got to spain she wanted to go back in so instead of going home she went to france and help train the French resistance to cut off uh, Nazi supply lines and just create cause uh, chaos uh, in preparation for the Allies to land on Normandy. Um, 
she's a badass. Yeah. <laughs> and just being a spy in, you know, Nazi Germany is already badass. And then being a one, one legged woman in Nazi Germany, being a spy, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's great. <laughs> Again, this is a story that like you, you hear a little bit about, but it, these do not get bandied about as much as you hear about, you know, a lot of, you know, Pappy Boyington and some of the other heroes of World War II and things like that. And we, we come up with all these uh, fictional heroes from that time frame, but you don't talk about her very much. And the fictional ones they come up with are almost all male as well. Uh-huh. But there were a couple of women who were extraordinary and their stories deserve to be told. Hers is one of them. So that's nice. I, I, I've got uh, my second one. I've got a kind of a fun one here that is totally different not 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 a war hero has nothing whatsoever to do with it she's awesome just because she's awesome and i am of course talking about our lady of awesome oprah yeah (laughs) oprah winfrey is a badass look she grew up in poverty in mississippi to a teenage mom who had really nothing to give her oprah rose to become america's first black multi-billionaire and a global media icon now i wanted to write up all kinds of stuff about her, but actually Dennis Leary already covered this for me. Uh, he wrote a book uh, called why we suck back, I think 2009. And he had a whole chapter in there basically dedicated to Oprah. So I, I'm just going to read off a couple of snippets to kind of give you an idea of how I feel about her and how so many people feel about her. She is the weapon we have waiting in the wings because she can shame anyone into admitting the truth. You remember James Frey, the guy who wrote the book, mm-hmm. a million little pieces. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's so, all a like, lie. <laughs> right, it turned out to be a whole big goddamn lie. And she ended up inviting him back on the show to ask a million little questions about a million little pieces. And the next thing you know, he's crawling away crying and cringing and spewing the I'm so sorry's because she was able to shame him. She is the cure for what ails America. <laughs> she can it, it, she could ask anybody about anything and she always gets an answer. Pregnant man, cancer dogs, Brad Pitt, young millionaires, great moms, Desmond Tutu, messy kids, Tyra Banks, bad dads, Springer, Maury Poppins, whatever. She will get an answer on absolutely everything. Watching Oprah is like staring into a human mood ring, basically. <laughs> it's like uh, whatever whatever flaws she has for herself, she's so approachable. Like whatever her own personal flaws, she's found them and she just kind of presents them her own way. You know what I mean? And it, she's just created this legion of, of followers that follows her along with her ever evolving, changing self that her life has become something that so many people can connect to personally as wherever, you know, large Oprah, they were, you know, they remember her <laughs> by as a connection to their own life. Uh, she's talked about every topic imaginable. Has Chris Berman ever mentioned the possibility of say a broken penis on NFL primetime? <laughs> no, but Oprah sure did. She took the time to tell us how it would happen and what to do if it did. She has never had kids and she never will have kids because we are her kids. She's never going to run. We, I remember it was like 2020. They were talking about the possibility of her running for president against Trump. She's never going to run for president because being president would be a step down for Oprah. Mm-hmm. She is a titan. Uh, she... <sighs> She is basically the end-all, be-all when it comes to this. She's the queen bee, the queen mum, the voice of reason, the voice of insanity and hilarity and disparity. Hmm. Uh, Being in the Oval Office would only suck her power away. Uh, She wouldn't be able to talk about the pregnant man with the 
you know, the, the situation from the Oval Office and all that stuff. She's, she's, she couldn't possibly do that. So what Dennis Leary here suggests and what I will now co-sign on right here on this podcast and plant my flag into the ground, we propose the Oprah Amendment to the Constitution, which is where Oprah would host the sitting president for an interview. Oprah would be the ultimate decider. We would make every sitting president visit Oprah on set once every three months to listen to a million little questions about how he or she is doing on the job. There will be no lying. There will be no deceit. No man can lie to Oprah in a room full of Oprah women. It's the power of O. You've seen it yourself with James Frey. She will roast you and toast you like a fine hamburger bun. I don't care who you are or who you might think you are or how many big burly guys are calling you God's gift to mankind. You get put in front of Oprah. All the bullshit turns to smoke, pal. And once the smoke begins to clear, strap yourself in, stud. (laughs) Congress couldn't get Roger Clemens, but if he sat there in front of Oprah, he would just shit. He would would completely fall apart. So imagine con artists, accused murderers, or just – Tom Cruise. Yeah. As a matter of fact, you saw what happened when Tom Cruise went on the show. Now picture, now picture freaking, you know, George Bush or Obama or Trump hopping around on the guest couch, like a circus pet on crystal meth, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and you'll get the idea four times a year, every single year, we'd all be better off men in particular. We know not to lie, cheat and steal because just like answering to your mom, Oprah and her army would be there waiting for an explanation. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. Talk about ultimate checks and balances. So Oprah, Oprah is a badass. Right on, man. I agree. Good. Love that Oprah. <laughs> I'm sure you do. I'm sure you t- you've tuned into every single thing she's ever done. No, I, used to, I mean, my episode. mom used to watch it, but yeah. 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 No, the, anyway. So yes, Oprah is my number two. Right on, man. Right on. So exactly. I'm going back to uh, the sciences, but specifically the uh, mathematicians. Uh, Ada Lovelace. From 1815 to 1852, she is arguably uh, one of the first authors of computer programming. She worked with uh, Babbage, who invented the uh, difference engine, which is essentially the first computer. It was a a machine that was able to read and predict data and um, uh, pump out numbers from it. But she was under his tutelage, basically. She was actually the daughter of Lord Byron, the famous poet, if you didn't know, food for thought. But um, yeah, so she essentially wrote the world's very first computer algorithm because she was tasked with uh, taking notes on his on the difference engine. And not only did she take notes, but then she had enhancements that she wrote from them, which ended up being more than her notes. And uh, that essentially was the world's first computer algorithm. It said basically if Y is this and Z is this, then X is this. And so she was able to break down this difference engine and she dreamt of everything that it could do. Instead of just looking at something and treating it as a mundane thing, she thought outside of the box and light years ahead of everyone else. Uh, It's pretty remarkable when you really strip it down that the first computer algorithm was made in 1852 in the late 19th century. So it is so weird to think about. Right. But um, yeah, that is, that is Ada Lovelace and she is quite a badass for her, her mathematical skills. Yeah. I've read, I, I, I've read part of the, like her history, like it came across my desk at one point, but I haven't spent a whole lot of time 
you know, thank you. Again, her name came across. I was doing research for the show. Her name came across, but it's like, man, there's just so many to choose from. So if I choose a woman in the sciences, how do you, how do you go against Murray Curry? But Hey, I'm glad you got both of them in there. Yeah. Yeah. She's uh, I mean, it's, it's hard to pass up. Math is a part of everything that we do, sure. uh, believe it or not. I mean, we wouldn't be having this podcast if it wasn't for math. Uh, and yeah. so um, I think it's just very important to see that happen. And again, a, a woman doing work that, you know, men were pr- uh, predominantly doing back then. And she was very upfront with everything. And Babbage was very much, uh, you know, he took her under took her under his wing and accepted her findings and was like, hell yeah, girl, get it. So love it. I love it. That's well done, Zach. That's, that's well reasoned. Well, well, are you well done? Okay. Well, I'll have more to read up. Every time we talk about subjects like this, I'm like, shit. Okay. Well now I've got more to read about (laughs) more to go down the internet rabbit hole. I spent so long down the internet rabbit hole. I know. I don't mind that. I don't mind putting my brain to the grindstone and keeping it there. It's just like, I've got a long list of shit. I got so many tabs open right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, uh, Tom, you're number three. My number three is uh, Margaret Sanger. Uh, now, Margaret Sanger in 1916 opened a family planning and birth control clinic. Yay, we Woo. should all have birth control. Nine days later, she was arrested for wow. distributing birth control info because it's illegal back in 1916 to be letting people have birth control, which this was only the first of many times she was arrested, but for this sort of thing. Um, and at the sentencing, the, the judge said, let me see. Um, I actually don't have the quote here. Never mind. <laughs> Sounds like you're a liar, Tom. Let's see. I can pull this. Ah, there we go. It was just off the screen. Okay. The judge said at the sentencing, the right to copulate with a feeling of security that is there with no resulting conception, a woman doesn't have the right to that. <laughs> like, wow. you don't have the right to have sex without being able to have a baby out of it. Was How this, dare uh, you? Tom, was this 2022 or was this, uh, because <laughs> I, I feel like there's a lot of similarities here. Yeah. If you go down to Texas or Florida. This was only about a hundred years ago. hundred and insane. Yeah. 120 insane, years ago. It's insane to think. Yeah. hundred 120. Yeah. I don't know. Just 103 years ago. Like women didn't have the right to vote in this country. So stupid. <laughs> Uh, really I, I still can't believe there's there's still a wage gap. It's in, it's incredible. It's so yeah. dumb. I just I don't get it. I feel like there's so many answers to these questions, and it's it's just it's an easy answer. It's just fix it. <laughs> Pay well, them just more. Fix it. It's so stupid. Uh, she she was offered a more lenient sentence if she promised to never break the law again, and she said, "Nah, I'm good." <laughs> like, good. She just said, nice. "No, I don't like this law. I'm gonna break it in the future." Thanks a lot. So Damn. she got sentenced to 30 days in a workhouse, which I don't know what a workhouse is. I assume she just goes and it's manual labor. It's like it's like uh, indentured servitude. Yeah, it's um, like work, so, it's like work release. Yeah. Okay. It's like prison release. Um, yeah. So she she gets arrested a couple more times, but during World War One, she founded the American Birth Control League, which eventually would turn into Planned Parenthood. Nice. A thing that's around to offer birth control to everyone. Um, and then also in the 1930s, she worked with African American leaders to set up clinics in their neighborhoods so that African Americans could get birth control, considering this was the time when they couldn't just go to a normal clinic and ask for that. Um, so 
She's even reaching out to everyone, and I really like that. So she is my third badass. That is a real badass choice. That's a yeah. We don't hear a whole lot about her. Mm-hmm. That, but yeah, birth control and all that still shouldn't. I don't feel. I feel maybe we're just talking into an echo chamber because the three of us agree so much on this topic. <laughs> yeah. It's like I I don't get the argument against it. I just don't. I don't get the argument against birth control. That's yeah. I, seems like a it, good thing. It yeah. Seems like it seems like if your real problem is abortions, it feels like birth control would help solve that problem. My my thing, it's it's just so crazy to me, and it's so ass backwards because a woman's uterus isn't my concern. It's that's none of our concern. Like what a person's body is their own goddamn choice, and so I just I'm blown away that it's that these states are still trying to eliminate Roe v. Wade and whatnot. And Jesus, without going too much into it, it's it's so fucking stupid. And I love Planned Parenthood. I go there all the time for stuff because. I'm a responsible male. I shouldn't say all the time, but what I mean is like, yeah. I, I prefer weekend. to go there, you know, if I'm being sexually active or whatever, and I support them whenever I can, just because I, I like it. They've helped many friends of mine. And so uh, anytime I drive by and there are people out there trying to, to uh, say abortion is bad. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Listen, go, we go we get a coffee or something like that. We were pretty poor early on when we were first coming up. I mean, we, we got married really young. We didn't have, you know, health insurance. We didn't have, a lot of coverage. Mandy had to supplement it using uh, uh, Planned Parenthood. Yeah, and 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 you know for birth control and whatnot. And there's there's no shame in that whatsoever. No. Like it's 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 there for that reason. It's a good thing. Exactly. You should, you should receive more support. I um I, I'm reminded. I can't remember the exact tweet of it was, but it was someone who's uh, a woman who was talking. Uh, uh, she was a she's a lesbian, and she was talking about uh, being on birth control anyway, or being like. Being on birth control or getting a, a, a whatever the hysterectomy, and uh, somebody was talking about uh, I think it was a woman in her life saying, "Well, you know, at some point you could basically change your mind and uh, get pregnant, and, and, and that that's why they can't make you know make it legal for you to you know get access to all this stuff." And she's like, "Cool, so even a hypothetical man has more control over my uterus than I do. Cool, <laughs> cool, 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 great." So that sucks. Uh, if I could find the actual story on that, I'll, I'll post it mm-hmm. uh, to my wall. Social media people see it. So put it on Twitter. That's where most people you know, know who I am. <laughs> we'll see. So, all right. Yeah, that's uh, that's 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 solid, man. That's that's mm-hmm. all right. I think we're going to move on to my number three now. That's right. OK, uh, my number three is a little bit of a cheat. Um because I couldn't choose between them and they are speaking of world war two. One thing, huh, Russia's very much in the news right now. Uh, they're super, not the good guys. Um, there is one thing that the Soviets did get right. And they did, they were co- sort of proponents of gender equality when it came to serving, you were red meat for the red army, <laughs> regardless of your gender. Uh, and so there were a number of women who served in combat to kill Nazis who were badass chicks. And there are two that I wanted to mention. There's Alexandra Semosenko, who at the ripe old age of 22 became history's only tank unit commander, a female tank unit commander. In all, in all of warfare, she's the only woman to leave a, a unit of armor into combat at 22 years old. Sadly, she did not survive the war. 
but uh, she was hardcore. She took, she was, yeah. Uh, and there's, there's more to her story. I would recommend reading her story and this other woman's on a website. I was telling these guys before we hit record called badass of the week. Uh, this guy has a huge piece on both these women. The second woman I'm going to mention is Ludmila Pavlichenko. And she is I know one. Who she is. Yes, <laughs> she is one of the most accomplished snipers in all of world history. I can't even remember. It was somewhere on there how many uh, Nazis she killed. It's over six hundred because uh, the movie Enemy at the Gates, which we just did for the other podcast, um, Vasily, uh, yeah. she she Ludmila wasn't in the movie, but that's basically like they yeah. referenced her and stuff, and she actually had more kills than he did. So yeah, she uh, in the first several months of the war, according to this, she notched one hundred and eighty-seven confirmed sniper kills. It's insane. She earned the reputation of someone not to be fucked with. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, even today, 187 is gangsta code for capital motherfucker in the head. <laughs> uh, she, uh, she pretty much managed to kill every single century creature in the greater Odessa a- area. Uh, and she, uh, she scored another 122 headshots. So a total of 309 confirmed kills, confirmed kills, mind confirmed, you. Confirmed, yeah. <laughs> Including 36 confirmed German sniper kills. So that's sniper on sniper. Snipers hunting each other down. Sniper on sniper. She is 36 and 0. Pretty goddamn good. <laughs> yeah, pretty goddamn good. Uh, she was uh, she was promoted to major at one point. She was awarded the gold star medal. She was given the title hero of the Soviet Union. Um, it looks like she did. Uh, uh, I think it said. Uh, yeah, it looks like she uh, she did survive a uh, mortar shell being uh, dropped on her. She was able to spend the rest of the war as an instructor at a sniper school. Uh, she told she you know teach taught a whole new generation of dead eye balls out snipers. Uh, and after the war, she completed her degree in history at Kiev State, <laughs> go KS, and got a job as a military historian working for the Soviet Defense Ministry. So uh, I don't know. When she eventually, I'm sure she's long gone by now, but uh, yeah, she she passed away in '74. But uh, yeah, Ludmila Pavlichenko, hardcore badass. So her and Alexandra Semusenko. I'll I can copy both those names. Oh, looks like you went ahead and put them in there. Like I said, they have they each have an entry in Badass of the Week. Go read them. It, they're so 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 good, and they were so young, and and that's who. I've mentioned it before because I was a young dude when I went to Iraq. Okay. Young people, these young kids, these are the people who fight your wars for you. They're not grizzled old, you know, Clint Eastwood, John Wayne, 45 year old or whatever. They're, they're 20 year old kids. And that's who these women were. And they were hardcore badasses who you don't, who you probably never heard of except for, you know, Uzak. But yeah, go read those. They're really, really good articles. So. Uh- uh, I'm going to jump in real quick because she's also on my list. The hey, sniper. all right. The, the sniper whose name I can't pronounce, so I'm Ludmilla glad that you Pavl- said it. Pavlichenko? For, yep. for some reason, I can't do it. <laughs> Ludmilla Pavlichenko. Ludmilla Pavlichenko. Uh, my mouth doesn't want to do it. I, well, her, her nickname was Lady Death, by the way. So yep. that's what we'll be calling her is Lady Death. A Lady couple Death. of the, the, the things that you didn't say that I found. She had a three-day duel, quote-unquote, with another si- sniper where she – just laid down in one spot for three days and that sniper made one too many moves and boom, she wins. I'm 36 uh, and 0. The, 
the Germans feared her so much that they once attempted to bribe her over the loudspeaker where they said, Lady Death, come over to us. We will give you lots of chocolate and make you a German officer over the loudspeakers because he, she was shooting too many of them. <laughs> so like a man. We'll give you chocolate um, if you stop being bitchy. <laughs> uh, and then a quote from her was, we mowed down Hitlerites like ripe grain, <laughs> which is just a great line. Uh, yeah, that's that's <laughs> hardcore. Uh, that That is that is balls out, crazy, badass, take no shit for any reason whatsoever. Hardcore. She's she's pretty awesome. She was pretty awesome. Quite a lady. Pretty awesome. Okay. Well, that's my number three. Okay, cool. So it's on to me now. Uh, yeah, it's on to right. <clears throat> So uh, Sandra Day O'Connor, she was the first wom- woman to serve as the justice to the U.S. Supreme Court, born in 1930, still alive. She's 91-ish. Uh, she'll be 92 here at the end of the month. But she kind of laid that foundation for Ruth Bader Ginsburg and uh, Justice Sotomayor. I mean, both of them, you know, and other women. I think there's a couple other women on there, too. I can't remember. But Sandra Day O'Connor was appointed by Reagan, the very first, uh, you know, top of her class at Stanford, graduated high school at 16, super influential in court cases. She was more conservative leaning, but still super influential in court cases as, uh, you know, just that swing vote. Um, And she she received the Presidential Medal of Freedom by Barack Obama in 2009. I'd say that's a pretty good medal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just cool. It just kind of sucks that it took until the 80s to appoint a a female justice. But, you know, strides, baby strides. And everyone knows RBG because she was a badass also. But I I had to go with Sandra Day because she was the first. So she kind of laid that foundation. Yeah, we like a trailblazer on this podcast. We sure do. Listen to us. We've been talking about them all podcast long. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, okay. Okay. Tom, we'll go in and uh, move into number four. I think four. it's back to you because I shared yours. So oh, you did? Okay. This will be your fourth. <laughs> All right. Well, it's so great that you uh, you led with Sandra Day O'Connor so I could follow up with the notorious RB, RPG. Yeah. Peter Ginsburg. I was going to follow right up behind. She'd, uh, she was the second female justice to sit on the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, she was a notorious gender rights badass. Uh, she was an activist in the 60s. She faced monumental gender discrimination in the workplace, despite having top-notch academic credentials. I mean, there was no reason to doubt her whatsoever, except for that she was a, a slight woman. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the patriarchy didn't stop her she uh, from succeeding, and she was one of only nine female students during her time at Harvard and became the lead counsel for the ACLU Women's Rights Project. Uh, she could be credited with building a better legal foundation for women's equality. And uh, there's a there's been documentaries of, of her ascent uh, over the years. There's a very famous case, but she sadly passed away a couple of years back here. Um, so, yeah, it was two years ago. Right? I was right in 2020 when she passed away. Uh, but she was a feminist icon uh, sitting on top of the court. She was uh, unlike Sandra Day O'Connor. She was definitely more on the left hand side of the spectrum. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, she became that liberal lion really she was that the liberal foundation of the court while she was on the court so the the courts uh tended to the uh, conservative side for a long time it's kind of leaned more in that direction like ever since 2020 because yeah. when she passed away they uh they, you know they did bring another woman into the court but another conservative woman so yeah uh, um but that you know she was the liberal lion of the left for a long long time and she is She's sorely, sorely missed. Uh, she was an icon. 
So Ruth Bader Ginsburg, RIP, RBG. Good choice. I think, yeah. I think uh, immediately move into your number four there, Zach. Oh, shit. Back to me. Okay. Cool. Uh, so I am going to um, Pakistan, uh, Pakistan. Uh, Malala Yousafzai. She was Excellent. born in 1997. She grew up in Taliban-controlled Pakistan where women were just not allowed to do anything. They weren't allowed to go to school. They weren't allowed to go to the shopping malls, the stores. Pretty ridiculous, if you ask me. And in 2009, um, well, her father was an educator, and he did kind of like a secret school for, for women. And they started, you know, learning and doing whatnot. But in 2009, she started blogging for the BBC and she kind of chronicled her life under that uh, Taliban regime. And then she was just really outspoken and publicly campaigning for girls to go to school, saying that women in Pakistan need education. But the Taliban didn't like that because they are a bunch of assholes. And in 2012, at the age of 15, she was shot by a Taliban member in the head, neck and shoulders when she was on a bus. Uh, the bus driver rushed her to, uh, you know, a hospital and whatnot. And uh, I'll, I'll remind, she was shot because she was publicly campaigning for the girls to go to school and the Taliban didn't like it. Uh, so she got rushed to the hospital and luckily, like the royal family, uh, let them use her their jet to airlift her to a hospital in, I think, London, uh, somewhere in the UK. And uh, she lived. She survived. And instead of being angry or or venge, venge, uh, vindictive or vengeful or anything like that, uh, Malala said, fuck you, Taliban, in a certain sort of way, and continued to be a widely outspoken activist against just the tyranny that was the Taliban. She won a Nobel Peace Prize at the age of 17 years old for all the humanitarian and activism that she humanitarian work and activism that she did. And she is quite a badass who just she really is. literally almost died. And said, I don't care. I'm not stopping the message. And I freaking love her. So, yeah. And first of all, she's right. I mean, if, if you're yeah. ever going to get, if you're ever going to get any sort of sense of reason in pulling that region a thousand years into the present, because really they're about a thousand years behind culturally because yes. of their, their, their anti-science beliefs and their treatment of women. And the only cure for that, the primary cure for that is... The uh, educate for you know women to control their own uh, their own bodies and uh, have access to healthcare and education is the only cure for it. And one of without going too far into politics on this, but one of the things was when we pulled out of Afghanistan, they were so one of the reasons they were so afraid is that these women who were going to school and getting educated, they were going to be targeted because the Taliban was going to take back over. So we it's kind of a dark zone right now. We don't have a whole lot of press coming out of Afghanistan because the Taliban have kind of are running the shop there right now. Um, I my heart breaks for the women who are there, and the Taliban haven't changed. They're not. Nope. They're the they're the same pieces of shit they were twenty years ago. They haven't changed. Yep. Um, except now they're a fully fledged narco state on top of being a, a terrorist state. So, hooray. Um, it, the only cure for that sort of thing is is the empowerment of women and the Taliban are expressly expressly anti-woman as a mat is a foundational principle of their identity they are anti-woman the only I'm not going to go any further than that because it's just going to get ugly but Malala is quite a woman um, she is I yeah her story is heartbreaking and tragic 
and also empowering because she she got right back up again and went before the UN and talked about her experience and how she's still advocating for for peace. She's not advocating for retribution and God knows I would be. You know, she's mm-hmm. a hell of a lot stronger than I am. You know, for she, that's 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 an understatement. She's a hell of a woman. So that's a great choice. I'm glad you I'm glad you uh, you brought her up, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think we're bringing it back around for number five to Tommy. That is correct. And Eric already went with the first woman billion, black woman billionaire. I'm going to go with the first black woman self-made millionaire. And that is Madam C.J. Walker, who was born uh, Sarah Breedlove. C.J. Walker is for her third husband, Charles Joseph Walker. Um, so after the death of her first husband, she moved to St. Louis with her daughter, who was two at the time. Uh, and at that time, she was making a dollar fifty a day as a launderer, not the illegal kind, the kind that does laundry. Um, during the 1890s, she had scalp ailments where she started losing her hair, and she used different products, including uh, some made by uh, what was the name? It was Annie. Um, why, why don't I have the name in front of me? <laughs> and, uh, Annie, Malone, Annie Malone, who was another African-American woman entrepreneur at the time. Uh, and in 19, it, that helped her, her hair grow back. And in 1905, she moved to Denver, becoming a sales agent for Annie Malone. At this time, after a couple of years, she decided to go on her own with her own hair care products for black women. Um, so to promote it, she went door to door and just getting buzz for her items and just for a year and a half was on the road going door to door selling her hair care products that blossomed into a full-fledged business that made her the first millionaire uh, black female. Um the cool thing about her is she gave a lot of money back to the community. She actually put money back in so that everyone in the neighborhood could have a good life. She didn't just hoard her money. Um, there's a really good uh, limited series on Netflix called Self Made with Octavia Spencer that is about uh, Madam C.J. Walker. And I quite enjoy it. And everyone should go out and watch it because it's great. Add another one to the list. That's a, that's a, that's another another thing to add to the must watch must read list. My goodness, it's such There's a so long many. list. Ugh. That's all right. That's good. Well, that's a that's a good way to close off your list, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna go with, uh, and this is a, kind of a controversial one. Again, it's more into politics, but Margaret Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher was Iron uh, the Iron Lady, the first woman Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Uh, her nickname was the Iron Lady, of course, and there was a reason for that. She took no crap from absolutely anyone for any amount of time whatsoever. Uh, she was Ronald Reagan's ideological conservative sister from another mister. So, hmm. you know, she was definitely uh, controversial. She was uh, so much so that, I mean, there were some people literally dancing in the streets of London when she died. So that's super classy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Real, 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 real skeezy there. But uh, while, while prime minister, she and Reagan formed a partnership of sheer will and force of determination that helped secure the Anglo-American alliance uh, that's now tighter than tighter than tight. Um, 
and it gave a concrete foundation to NATO against the Soviets. Uh, she got into parliament in uh, 1959 when women only made up 4% of the body. Uh, she faced constant discrimination and sexism and suffered all manner of bigotry in her direction every single day she went to work. Uh, and she still rose to the top of her party to become minister. Uh, and as PM, she would be sitting or standing like in the middle. You can see these videos on YouTube. She's standing in the middle of parliament delivering whatever, her, you know, and there's just hundreds of angry, red-faced men just screaming the vilest shit at her calling her a whore and all this other shit. I mean, just awful, awful nonsense. And she's just sitting there smirking like the lady's not for turning. I know who I am. I know what I'm about. Um, it was so bad. She seemed to realize she was, she seemed to feel like she was just sort of a special circumstance of a woman who could survive in that environment. She didn't, she was criticized by many feminists because she didn't really, uh, a trailblazer should blaze a trail for others to follow. And she didn't seem overly concerned with doing that. That wasn't really in her back. She didn't really feel like she owed anything to women's lib, which kind of sucks. But it also kind of shows what a badass she was because she she really felt like she wasn't beholden to anyone except for the people in that uh, in that job position. But outside of that, she didn't feel like she was beholden to anyone. So she defined herself by herself and not as part of some movement. She was simply Maggie Thatcher. She's one and only. She was unique, and she was a badass. So, uh, and then Meryl Streep played her in The Iron Lady, and you—if you—that's another movie. If you haven't seen it, oh, go watch it. She was hardcore. Mm. So, and you, you know how perfect Meryl Streep is. We've already talked about this. Is a Meryl Streep oh, yeah. fan cast? Oh yeah, <laughs> of all time. So, Gillian uh, right. Anderson does a good job on The Crown as her. Also, <laughs> yes, she does. Yes, she does. Oh, she nails the voice. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, you know, did a sort of hot and cold. She had a hot and cold running relationship uh, with the queen, but the respect was uh, undeniable. Undeniable. So uh, she, uh, interesting fact, when Margaret Thatcher passed away, she was only the second prime minister uh, whose funeral was visited by the queen. The first was Winston Churchill. The other was Maggie Thatcher. <laughs> so... Regardless of how you felt about her politics, she was a highly important and badass woman who defined British politics of the 80s and early 90s so and late 70s. So. All right, Margaret Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher, naked on a cold day. Margaret so, Thatcher, naked on a cold day. That's what Austin Powers says. <laughs> <laughs> so for my final one, I am going to an incredibly badass woman who she's a bad mother that don't take nothing from nobody. But back in 1913 was when she was born. She lived until the year 2005. Uh, she was a secretary and leader for her local NAACP chapter, and that is Rosa Parks. Hey. Uh, that event on December 1st, 1955 in Montgomery, Alabama, Rosa decided to uh, go ahead and not move after a bus driver was like, you need to get out of this row. This is for whites only, and, and you colored folk have to go in the back. And she's like, you know what? No, I'm not doing that. Um, just tired of it, man. Tired of the bullshit. And there was a huge uprising. She got arrested. She had to pay like $14 or however much it was for it. But they basically, uh, she was she was not the first person to resist bus segregation, but the NAACP used her uh, as like the best candidate for possibly seeing this as a court challenge yeah. after she was arrested for quote unquote civil disobedience, which is just incredibly asinine. And um, 
you know, she helped inspire the black community to boycott the Montgomery buses for over a year. And uh, so they did a whole uh, bus boycott. Like I, I, like yeah. I said, it was led by Martin Luther King Jr. where people were walking to work. They were not taking, uh, people of color were walking to work, not taking the buses, not taking public transportation. Um, and it really put a dent in, in, in the transportation industry. And the um, luckily... The case, let's see what it was. It was the bus lawsuit. Browder versus Gale resulted in a November 1956 decision that bus segregation is unconstitutional under the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. So they won. They did it. Yeah. And it may seem trivial because it's, it's a bus, but it's such a step in the right direction in a time that if you were black and you were living in the 50s, especially being a woman, and you were to try to stand up to, to a white person, a white male who says you need to move away from this section and you tell them no, that could literally get you killed. And especially in Alabama. And for her to just be like, no, screw you sort of thing. It is so goddamn badass. And she yes, was yes. quite the inspiration and one of the the greatest uh, you know civil rights activists of all time. So yeah. Rosa freaking Parks, baby. Rosa freaking Parks. It's important to point out that there is no such thing as a small victory against that kind of just reckless hatred yes i mean when <laughs> there, there was the, the the story of the little girl i can't remember her name she's still alive now she's ruby six, bridges ruby yeah her yeah. ruby bridges there were like there were white women crying to the point of literally fainting in the streets because they just could not handle psychologically that a little black girl was trying to go into a school with white children like, imagine that. Can you imagine that kind of hatred in in the lifetime of a woman who's only now just barely retirement age? We hmm. work with people older than that who were like, I, I, it, it's, it just blows my mind. It just, this is not ancient history, man. This was just the other day. Mm-hmm. This was in the lifetime of our parents. This was like just the other day, man. So, yes, uh, she is absolutely a badass rosa parks was a badass thank you for bringing her up well done i think uh that covers everybody that covers our top five all the way up and down the list right mm-hmm. man there's so many more we could have chosen and even then i still think we learned something about all of these women there's so many badass women out there of all manner of walks of life that we could spend a whole other episode on that we just didn't even cover and um we, you know, I, I th- I'm, I'm glad that we took the time to, ce- you know, celebrate International Women's Day and Inter- you know, Women's History Month to talk about these badass women. Give them an hour to talk about them. So, good job, you guys. Good lists. Uh, I think uh, we'll go ahead and just sum it all up. Thomas's lists was Susan Kuhnhausen, Virginia Hall, Margaret Singer, Ludmila Pavlichenko, and Madam C.J. Walker. Uh, my list was Harriet Tubman, Oprah Winfrey. Uh, a uh, duel of Lyudmila Pavlichenko and Alexandra Simsenko, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Margaret Thatcher. Zach's top five was Marie Curie, Ada Lovelace, Sandra Day O'Connor, Malala, and Rosa Parks. So, great list, you guys. Alrighty. Thank you for tuning in to the Top 5 Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Podcast Top 5, at ZachDale60, at TomTop5, and at E underscore Shane, where you can give us ideas, tell us if we're crazy, or even suggest a topic for a future episode. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. Thank you, and remember, it's okay to be wrong even though you think you're right. Some women fear the fire. Some simply become it. Wow, where'd that come from? That, that came from the internet. <laughs> <laughs>
Nice. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, job, internet. Nice one. All right. Bye, Bye. everybody. Bye.